Well, thanks for the opportunity to share this morning. Uh, We're going to be looking at that passage in Matthew 18 and another one in Matthew 25 as well. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to meet together and to open your word. So, Lord, we would ask that you would speak through it to us. As a reminder today, being Pentecost Sunday, when the Holy Spirit came upon your people and the church was started. Lord, continue to have your Holy Spirit come upon us, our work in our hearts and minds that we might hear and understand and put into action what you have for us today. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as, as was mentioned earlier, uh, my family and I, we served in Ethiopia at a missionary kids' school, an MK school called Bingham Academy. It was named after uh, one of the founders of SIM. There are many MK schools around the world, and sometimes we would have conferences or seminars or even sporting events against some of these other schools. But one of the things I noticed about the names of a, a, quite a few of these other schools is they're taken from Christian attributes or virtues like Grace, it was Grace Academy, Hope, Hope Academy, Peace, or Haven of Peace Academy, Faith Academy, two of those in the one country. But there were two noticeably absent terms. One was love. And I thought that was probably somewhat understandable. Love Academy. Imagine you go all the way through school, you finish I graduated from the Love Academy. You know, you probably might steer away from that one. But the other absent term, I thought, was mercy. And I wondered why? Why isn't there a mercy? Well, there maybe there is, but I just never came across one. I think mercy sometimes has this negative connotation. Uh, like um, yeah, faith and hope and grace, they're seen positively. And so today as we look through this and we look at blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let's see mercy in such a positive light. So what I'm going to do is address well, mercy, uh, what is it and how does it work, particularly looking at two uh, passages in Matthew's Gospel from where Matthew Uh, is recalling to us Jesus' teaching. So what else does Matthew say Jesus teaches us? I'll go back and have a look at Exodus 34 in just a moment. Bit of background in the Old Testament. But first of all, the context. We're working through the the Beatitudes, uh, and this is part of the series. So Jesus' opening statements as he teaches his disciples what it means to be a follower of his. And it's found in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 to 7. But he's not just teaching them. Of course, he's teaching the huge crowd that is following him. They're, they're wondering, what's going on with this guy? What's he, these amazing things he's doing, these things he's saying? And so they're listening in. So as he's teaching the disciples, there's so many more people hearing about what it means to be a follower of the Lord. And he launches with the Beatitudes, the blessed are thee and the series we're going through. And blessed means more than just something like happiness, which is sometimes the way it's translated, because happiness is often an assessment of us and how we're feeling in a situation. Rather, to be blessed is something that God is giving to us or it's being given to us or put upon us. It's more like a gift from the Lord. It's his assessment of how um, we are living. And as Andrew shared with us a few weeks ago, uh, uh, he shared with us, it's the God-endorsed life. That's one way we can think about being blessed. God's favour, his delight upon us in achieving his purposes for his glory. 
We may not necessarily be feeling overly happy in it at the immediate time, but we can see in the bigger picture, God is having his way in us and through us to bring about his purposes and his good plans. And so how does that fit in with being merciful or showing mercy? How does it fit in here with God? I'm going to go back to Exodus 34. I'm going to read a couple of verses from Exodus 34. Uh, In this case, in Exodus 33 and 34, Moses is being hidden in the cleft of a rock. It's for his protection because God is passing by. And the reason is because Moses has asked to see God's glory. So God's hiding him in this cleft. He's going to pass by. He can just get a glimpse of God's glory. But notice what God says as he passes by in Exodus 34, verse 6. What is God's first descriptor of himself? This is Exodus 34. I'm just going to read verses 6 and 7. I'm actually reading from the ESV version. I'll explain that in a minute. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And it continues on. Here, what is the first descriptor the Lord has for himself? That he is merciful. It's the first thing he says about himself when he's revealing his glory to Moses. Now, some passages or some translations translate that as compassionate, and the meaning is definitely intertwined. It's a heart for the needs of the dire situation of another. It results in action. And as we read there, the primary action is God is patient, like slow to anger, maintaining steadfast love and faithfulness. And he's forgiving. He's forgiving sin. He's forgiving iniquity, transgression. See, mercy is, is traditionally understand, understood to be withholding something that is deserved or holding back from something that is deserved, like punishment. Mercy is holding back. But it comes from compassion, It comes from pity, seeing someone in a weaker state. It leads to, mercy is the path to forgiveness. It leads to forgiveness and restoration. It's the other side of that really great coin, that valuable coin with grace. Grace is on the other side. Grace is unmerited favor, giving what is not deserved. Mercy is holding back, not giving what is deserved. And that's how God wants to be known. Isn't it? That's the first thing he says about himself when he's revealing his glory. He says that he is merciful. The first thing, a heart of compassion for the state that we are in, lost. And so now we come to the Beatitude in Matthew 5, verse 7. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. You see, God is not calling us to be anything other than what he is at his heart, at his core. The God-endorsed life, the blessed life, are those being merciful just as God is. And we are recipients of his mercy. So let's have a look at this passage that Ruth read for us in Matthew chapter 18, um, where Jesus talks about, a little bit about mercy or the unmerciful servant. I like to think of this uh, parable as the 
Jerry Maguire parable. If you've ever seen the movie Jerry Maguire, show me the money. He says it louder and longer and louder. Um, Here's a show me the money parable. Verse 21, I'm going going to read through it again. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? What, up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, now that is a lot of gold, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he, his wife, his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. And as the servant fell to his knees before him, be patient with me, he begged, I'll pay back everything. And how did he reply? The servant's master took pity on him, had compassion on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. When the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. That show me the money. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. But when the others saw what had happened, they were outraged. They went and told the master everything that had happened. And the master came, called in the servant, you wicked servant. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. In this parable, this is about the question of forgiveness, isn't it? How many times, again and again, and forgiveness is directly linked with showing mercy. Just as in the Exodus passage, God calls himself merciful to start with and he goes about forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. See, this first servant in this case had a massive, massive debt. 10,000 bags, he's never going to be able to repay it. And the master sacrificed his own wealth, his own bank account. He sacrificed what would have been justice, having the guy go and spend time in jail, him and his family, all for the benefit of a dire situation of that servant. He couldn't repay Not only does he not have to go to jail now, he doesn't even have to repay. How merciful is that master? But that servant won't extend the same mercy to someone else who owes him much less. And when the master finds out as we read, he's so mad. That compassion that he had, that pity, that that cancelling an unpayable debt. Now that recipient, won't even extend a, a small amount to someone else. Off to jail with you. Now, I'm not going to go down this line, but I'm just going to say at this point, there is a time when mercy runs out. There is a time when it's withdrawn or it's withheld. And, and sometimes in wisdom of us thinking about a situation that we, are, we might be in, um, if, if extending mercy, is it going to lead to further sin or is it going to lead to oppression of others? Or do we need to be wise about that? I'm, I'm not going to speak any more than that, but come back to this passage where the point here is God is the king. God is the master. We 
believers, we are forgiven. We are debt free. Our debt is cancelled. We are living in freedom. Will we be forgiving to others? Will we show that mercy? Will we take the hit, the blow, the cost, what it's going to be to us to forgive and enable a relationship to move forward? I mean, that's why God is merciful to us, isn't it? For the relationship. So in that last part of verse 35, we must forgive from the heart. It comes from a transformed heart, the heart that the Lord gives us when we turn to him. Do we have that heart? Uh, a number of years ago, I read a story in a Lee Strobel's book about a Cambodian pastor. I'm probably going to get these names wrong, but his name was Lapel. He'd grown up under the horrendous rule of the, the Khmer Rouge, a time in history known as you know, the Killing Fields. His parents, his siblings, many relatives died at that time. He was able to escape as a youngster, I believe, and get to America. He grew up there, became a pastor, and came back to, uh, to Cambodia. And he's sharing with people about God's goodness, God's forgiveness, about God's healing. And he, he came across a man named, I'm going to use the word, say Duke. I don't know how you say his actual name, but he's Duke. And, uh, and he's talking about God's forgiveness. And Duke says, I can't be forgiven. I've done too many things. And Lapel continued to work with Duke over time and, and ultimately led him to the Lord. And Duke was a changed man, his heart transformed, forgiven man. And he went on to do many amazing things in the ministry of the church and in the community. He'd become somewhat well known for that. And then it was discovered that he had been the commander, the boss of the S21 torture and death facility for the Khmer Rouge where 16,000, 17,000 people had been killed in horrendous ways. Duke didn't deny it. He made a full confession and he was sentenced to life in prison and under very strict conditions. Lapel had family members who had been killed in that facility and he struggled in coming to terms with it. But he knew that as Jesus had been merciful to him and to Duke, he too needed to forgive Duke. So he asked if he could visit Duke in, in prison, but the, the, he wasn't allowed in. No one was allowed in. He was kept in a, in a somewhat confined space, no visitors, nothing. But there, there was one avenue to get in, though. The one avenue was a pastoral visit. So Duke went in as... Uh, so Lapel went in as Duke's pastor. He took in and he took communion with him. And they shared communion together as Christian brothers that was forgiveness. That is, that's an amazing story every time I think about it. Such, such horrendous crimes, even to his own family, but Lapel forgive him because God had forgiven both of them of their sins. The story leads me into a bit of a, a segue into the next passage I want to skip across to of Matthew 25 in terms of visiting people in prison. I'm going to go across to Matthew 25 and uh, mercy isn't mentioned here. But clearly, acts of mercy are very evident. It's at the judgment day. This is where everyone's brought before the Lord. And the sheep and the goats are separated. God knows his people and the sheep are put to the right and the, go and the goats are put to the left. And in verse 34 of Matthew 25, Then the king will say to those on his right, 
Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. The people respond, when did we see you, Lord? I'm going to jump to verse 40. When did we see you like that? And the king replied, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So on, on judgment day, God separates his people from everyone else. He expresses thanks to this group. He welcomes them in. And there's dissatisfaction to the others if you continue to read what's happening there. And the criteria for the division, well, he knows his people. So the sheep are over here, but how does he describe them or what does he say to them? He talks to them about their acts of mercy, their acts of compassion. They identify a need. They act on the need. They bring help. They don't even realize they're doing it to Jesus. They just do it because of the heart that God has given them, visiting those in prison, such as in that previous story, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, welcoming the stranger. So these are definitely merciful and compassionate acts that Jesus talks about here. Just like the very, very most, probably most famous parable of them all, the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the the man is injured and robbed and injured and beaten and, and the Samaritan comes along and helps him. And it was all about a question of, who is my neighbor? And Jesus, at the end of that, says, well then, who was the neighbor to this injured man? And the answer is, the one who had mercy on him. So back here in Matthew 25, the fruit of being a believer in the Lord is going to be on display. Being merciful is a clear marker of being a follower of the Lord. God is merciful in his own description. He extends mercy to forgive us, to relate with us, to give us an inheritance we read about here. And the fruit of that life In living it out is that we are merciful to others. It flows from the heart, a heart of love for God and love for our neighbor. And sometimes we're the givers, but equally here we can sometimes we're the the receivers, aren't we? From brothers and sisters who act in God's mercy, perhaps to us in our difficult situation, in our time of need. Praise the Lord for brothers and sisters who care for one another and love one another. And reach out in mercy and compassion to each other. It will be recognized by the Lord. And I say thank you for all the ways you've reached out and helped us and our family with being overseas for a number of years. So the question comes back, are we a merciful people? Individually, are we merciful people? Are we forgiving or do we we hold on to grudges? Do we get uptight? We're bitter about things, not going to forgive? Or are we compassionate to the point of forgiving? What about the needs around us? We see things around us all the time. Do we just become sort of overwhelmed by it all, the needs? Do we turn a blind eye? Do we say, I'll figure that out later, I'll do something about that later? Or are we actively looking for ways we can be compassionate to others? So that's individually. What about as a church? Or as a house church, or 
other ministries might be involved in. How are we going with that? Yeah, I heard a story just about two weeks ago from John Dixon. Uh, he's a pastor in Sydney, an evangelist, an author, historian. Uh, he loves history. He's telling a, church, telling a church history story from around 400 or just after AD. Talks about Augustine. If you know, if you've looked into church history, you've probably come across the name Augustine, famous early church father. He's the Bishop of Hippo, which is northern Algeria, uh, North Africa on the Mediterranean. He and his church at Hippo were saddened by the plight of so many of the, the North Africans being tricked, being deceived, and captured and taken as slaves. And they were shipped out of the port there in Hippo and taken across the Mediterranean into um, Europe and across to the Middle East. And the church would raise funds to buy the freedom of these slaves before they set sail. So imagine that as a line in the church budget. But there, there came a time when well, they didn't have enough money and there were so many more people being captured, being tricked, being deceived and being held in these uh, cells that the, the church couldn't do much about it. So as John Dixon describes in one of the gutsiest church outings ever, the church made a raid on the, uh, the docks. They went to the, the ships, they released the, the uh, slaves, they went to the holding cells, got them out, brought them back to their own homes and the church and, and helped them out, gave them what they needed to get on their way to get back to their homelands. And Augustine wrote a letter to the Bishop of Rome asking for help, for further help for these mercy ministries. You see, compassion, reaching out, taking action, however that might be, now it shows, it demonstrates the merciful God and compassionate God that we have as we, as we live that out for others. And it also opens opportunities to be able to share about the good news. What great opportunities that, that are had Even through our church. I was looking over here with the Peace Children's Home. Uh, a missionary I met with this week and I did a debrief with. And the things that she was able to, she just saw a child on the side of the road, in, this is in an African country, and took them to the hospital. And in the end, the, the family came, came to know the Lord. Acts of compassion. Because we demonstrate what the Lord is, uh, how he demonstrate his character. We also, we lead people to the gospel in that way as well. So the Lord says to his people, the ones who have shown mercy, the ones who show forgiveness, that they in turn are receiving a welcome into his kingdom. That's verse 34 of that same Matthew 25. Come, you blessed by my Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I love how this passage lines up so well with Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. As God's children, you know, we have received mercy in our lost state. We become one of his people through the sacrifice of Jesus. He's given his life for ours. We've been adopted in by the Holy Spirit, celebrating Pentecost Sunday today. A change of heart that reflects his heart and his merciful character. We are being merciful because he was first merciful to us. We see it in, in, our, in a way we uh, interact as brothers and sisters and care for one another, care for those, our brothers and sisters on the other side of the world. And ultimately, we'll see it face to face as we come into the inheritance we have with the Lord.
So today I want you to know mercy is available. If you don't know the Lord, it's available. It's free of charge. The Lord is compassionate. Like Duke, no matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. You know, our, our society is moving further and further away from, from forgiveness. We're more into cancelling this and shaming that. Well, God is the God of restoration because Jesus was cancelled. Jesus was shamed on the cross for us. Look to him and find mercy. So I'm going to finish by praying, but I want to uh, just leave this 30 seconds of, of silence for you to talk to the Lord. What might the Lord be bringing into your heart or your mind in terms of is there someone you need to forgive? Is there someone you need to deal with to, to fix up that relationship, to have compassion? Is there some ministry of compassion you can get behind or some way you can reach out to people in your street, people across the world and share that compassion that God has for us? And if nothing else, you might just give thanks to the Lord. As Lamentation says, his mercies are new every morning. Or like the tax collector in Luke 18, simply say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your mercy. Praise you that you are merciful, that in your compassion you reached out to us and took action and brought salvation for us. We who are lost and astray and dead and gave us life. Lord, as a merciful God, help us to be the, the display, the living display here and now in our time, in our place, in our generation of your compassion and your mercy as we reflect that to those around us. Thank you for blessing us, Lord. Thank you for the, inter the eternal inheritance we have as well. Thank you that your mercies are on you every morning and even today. Thank you for your mercies and faithfulness to us today. May we go out with your strength this week, the conviction of whatever you've laid on our heart in terms of forgiveness, in terms of compassion, in terms of appreciation for you. Go before us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.